today we're continuing on um, in our series. Uh, we're kind of coming to the end of it here. And this week of our Good News series, uh, I want to talk to you about paid in full. Paid in full. And so my heart is, is that as we dig into the word, that it helps you understand and see more clearly what Jesus has paid the price for uh, in your life and in my life. So let me ask you a couple of questions. How many of you have ever put something on layaway? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Now, for some of the younger ones, maybe not. But on layaway, you go and you, you, you want to buy something and you go and you put money down, right? Sometimes $5, sometimes $10, <laughs> you know, maybe it'd be more. And then they hold it and you keep paying on it. And when you're done paying, what happens? You get it. Now, if you stop paying on it, what happens? You lose it all, right? So we know about layaway. So um, what about how many of you have ever bought a car and financed it, right? So what happens? You go and you put down a down payment on it, right? Most of the time, sometimes they don't require that. But you put a down payment on it, and then you actually acquire the car, right? The problem is, is it's not yours, is it? It belongs to the bank. It belongs to somebody else. And as long as you pay for it, you get to what? Drive it, right? And then once you complete paying for it, then they send you the title, which is proof that what? You own it, amen? So you're following me here. All right, now, how many of you have ever had somebody help you pay for something? And what I mean by that is that you, they gave you money towards something, but it wasn't enough. It was a help, but it didn't pay for all of it, but they gave it to you, and it was partial, but you still had to pay the balance. Right? Anybody? Everybody? It's happened for me. Amen. All right. Now, how many of you have ever had somebody buy your meal? Amen. I love that, don't you? Amen. And so I remember Jill and I, were, um, we were married. We, we didn't have much. And uh, we, we were busy. I, and, and I don't exaggerate. We were six to seven nights a week doing church stuff. That's just how we lived our life as, as a married couple in the early years. And uh, we had not been on a date in a while. And we needed a date. And we didn't have much money. Like we were checking our balance just to see if we could afford the meal and the tip, right? Now, don't, don't look at me so holy and judge me. Some of you finance people are out there going, well, you shouldn't have gone out to eat. No. <laughs> so I, I know I know how you think, right? So we decided we were going out to eat anyway. And I remember we went to, uh, it's actually where uh, we first went on our first date. And it, if you know us, we love Mexican food. It was in an El Chico's in the mall, um, and so we went out to eat, and I remember when it came time to pay the bill, um, they came out and said, your, your bill has been paid. You know, somebody else, and we had no idea who paid it for us. You know, had no idea. But you know, that was a great feeling, is that we got our meal paid, and we got to keep our money in the bank. <laughs> Amen. But how many of you know, now, how many of you, if, if, if the uh, server or waitress, waiter came to you and said, hey, your bill's been paid, 
How many of you would try to still pay for it? <laughs> I'm just waiting to see if I got somebody that doesn't know math, right? <laughs> um, you, you wouldn't do that, would you? You would, you would say thank you and you would what? Leave. Knowing that your bill has been paid, right? Now, now stay with me. All this is going to make sense. So how many of you have ever had a debt canceled? or to pay something off. I've had debt canceled, I've had people pay things off for me, I, I've, I've had things happen. Now how many of you, having your debt canceled, would continue to pay on it? Well I just don't think they got enough, so I'm just gonna keep paying them. How many of you would do that? Well you wouldn't, would you? That doesn't make any sense, does it? In the natural mind, and just from a, a, a just, you know, math sense, it doesn't make sense to keep paying for something once it's paid for. It doesn't make sense to do that. The problem is, is that I think sometimes concerning our own Christian life, that sometimes we forget that there's things that have been paid for. But we still approach it from the standpoint as though we owe something. And we, we, we may not do it intentionally or do it from the standpoint of really understanding what we're doing, but we do it from the place of, I've still got to, I, I, I'm still owing something. I've still got to do something. And, and so I want to walk you through the scriptures this morning and give you and I some understanding to make sure that we know what's been paid for and that we're walking in the blessing of that. If I came to you and said, hey, at the Chevrolet dealership down the road, I just bought you a brand new car, it's paid in full, taxes are paid, insurance is paid for a year, how many of you would just let it sit? What would you do? You'd go get it, right? Some of us, corona and all, we would go get it, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you needed it, you would go get it, right? So, in our life, I think that we've got to understand and know what's been provided for us and then it's our responsibility to walk in it. And you and I have to take responsibility to obtain it. Even though it's been paid for, it's still sitting there and it's waiting on you and I to take possession of it. And I'm gonna show you in the word of God, amen? So let's go to Hebrews chapter nine and... and uh, I want to encourage you, uh, you can read all of chapter 9, all of chapter 10, and, and that'd be a blessing to you to give everything as far as the full and complete context of everything. Um, but I want to take you here to Hebrews 9, verse 11, and just stay with me. It says, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies 
the appearing of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through eternal, the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal life. Now, I don't want to go into everything. There is so much in Hebrews, right? But what I want you to understand here, first of all, is that there is an old way. And you can go to Hebrews chapter 10, 1 through 4 and read that. But under the Old Covenant, under the Old Testament, you go back and you read the Old Testament, right? Um, and you, you read about what the children of Israel did. Well, they were under a different system. And that system was, obviously, how many of you know the Ten Commandments? How many of you seen the movie, right? How many of you seen Charlton Heston? I just wanted to see who we had in here that age. No, just kidding. Um, uh, but, you know, you see the movie, you know that the Ten Commandments, and basically the Ten Commandments were given to let people know that they were not perfect. That's the simplistic version. All right? And so what they had to do was every year the high priest, okay, it was only one, one person was the high priest, every year, they had to take the blood of the sacrifice into what was called the Holy of Holies. The high priest was the only one allowed in there. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. That's where the presence of God was. And he would go in and take the blood and he would sprinkle it on what's called the mercy seat. And that was actually the lid of the covenant and it had the two cherubim and their wings and they touched each other. But he would go and sprinkle that blood and that blood was a temporary atonement. That means that the nation of Israel, those people, for one year, their sins were forgiven. They were atoned for. But every year, they had to go back and what? Make another payment of blood. They had to go back year after year, and they had to make another payment in blood in order to atone for their sins. Why? Because Hebrews says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That's the way God set it up. It's a blood covenant is what it's called, and it requires blood. And that's what they had to do under the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. They had to go in year after year, and they had to provide that sacrifice. All right? But now... Under the new covenant, under what Jesus has done for us, like we just celebrated Easter. Well, what did we celebrate? We celebrated his what? His suffering, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And what did Jesus do? That blood was spilled, but it wasn't just spilled, and Jesus didn't just die for you and me. He suffered. And that blood was poured out, and the heavenly father looked down on that sacrifice and he says, that is acceptable to me. And Jesus personally took his own blood. That's what we're talking about. It says, not with the blood of bulls and goats and heifers. He took his own blood to the heavenly tabernacle or to the heavenly place where the original is. 
All right, and, and again, I don't have time to, to teach on all of that, but the, the, the tabernacle uh, that, that was on the earth was just a copy of what's in heaven. And he took that blood, his own blood, and he sprinkled it on the mercy seat. But the Bible says there was three words that are stated that I want you to get. It says that he did it once for all. Once for all. And it's important that you get that. Once for all. Say that with me. Once for all. Hebrews 9.12. It says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained, what did he obtain? Eternal redemption. He obtained it. He paid for it, paid in full. His blood paid for that eternal redemption. So the Bible says, and you keep reading in Hebrews in chapter 10, there's no more sacrifice. There's no other sacrifice for sin. There's no more payment for sin as far as to pay for sin itself and, and to pay for it for mankind. There's no more payment. Now, sin pays its own wage, right? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Sin still pays a wage. So if you choose to live in sin, you're going to receive the payment of it. But Jesus paid for it for eternity. So there's no more sacrifice for it. Hebrews 10, 12, it says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down at the right hand of God. Why? Because he finished it. Now, Jesus is coming back. There's still things that are taking place, but the sin issue that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, the sin issue has been settled. So when you stand before the Lord as a believer, your sin does not even come into play. The Bible says that you and I will be judged according to what we did. It's not a penalty of sin. It is what did we do in obedience to him. He said, I am coming and my reward is coming with me. See, sometimes we're so busy looking at what I'm not sinning and not realizing that there's more to the equation. And that is my obedience to Christ. And that's for another day. But I want you to understand this, that the sin issue has been paid for. Even sinners, when they stand before the Lord, those that, that, that do not receive Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior, God, even though he has record, he's not, it's not a penalty just for sin. Sin's been paid for. The penalty is your rejection of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. See, that, that's when you reject Jesus, when you reject salvation, when you reject that relationship with God, it isn't just about the sin you're living, it's about rejecting the price that Jesus paid. It's about you telling Jesus, I don't need your help, 
I can handle this on my own. And the problem with that is, is that God had to send his son because nobody else could pay it. It is impossible for you or I to live a good enough life to be able to pay the penalty for sin. So he had to do it himself. And he put on flesh, was born into this earth, lived a sinless, perfect life, and then he suffered and hung on that cross. And the Bible says that because there was no sin in him, they had to make him sin for us just so that he could pay the price. And he did it and paid it in full. How many of you have seen the commercials lately, the commercials that say free, 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 right? The last one I saw was a lady judging a dog show. I don't know if you've seen that one. She's like, free, free, free. You know, it's, it's kind of stupid commercials, but I remembered it. I don't remember what the product was. I just remember the free, free, free part. <laughs> but it made me think about this. Listen, the gift of God is free, 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 free. It's free. No, but, but, but Pastor Rob, that can't be it. I've got to do, no, it is free, 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 for free, free, free. The moment it becomes unfree is the moment that what Jesus did on the cross becomes irrelevant. It becomes irrelevant. You can't have both. You have to put your faith in one or the other. Either I put my faith in Jesus and what he's done on the cross for me, or I don't put my faith in him and I put my faith in myself to be able to earn it. That's the decision that I have to make. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's clear. There, there, there's not an argument. The, the word of God is clear. When I read the word of God and I'm, thinking, I'm looking at this and it is saying, it is not of myself, right? Another, another scripture says, not of works of righteousness, which we've done. It is the gift of God. It is his gift to mankind, amen, because of his love for us. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wages of sin is death. And it's your prerogative to choose which one you want. God loved us so much that he gave you the right to choose. Why? Because if I make somebody love me, then it's not genuine. If I, if I force you and say, you, you tell me you love me, you better love me, right? It's not a choice anymore if I'm responding from a command. 
Now, the Bible says one of the greatest commandments is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Right? The only way to do that is I have to make it my choice. I have to choose. Amen? The Bible says uh, over in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, he says, I set before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he says, I'm going to give you a hint, right, on the test. Anybody ever had a teacher that was good at giving hints? You know what I'm saying? Choose life. I'm giving you the right answer, but I'm still giving you the choice. But I'm telling you, choose life. Choose life. So we have that free gift. Jesus has paid for that with his own blood. Now listen, it's not just, it's, it's, it's not just an eternal salvation. It's both eternal and present. It doesn't start when you get to heaven. It started when Jesus died on the cross. And you and I step into it when we confess Jesus as Lord. We step into what's already been paid for. And we become benefactors of that payment, of that freedom, of that liberty. You see what I'm saying? So when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, what you did is says, Jesus, I believe in you. That's why we pray, Romans 10, 9, and 10. We confess with our mouth. We believe in our heart. The Lord Jesus Christ and that he died on the cross and was uh, raised up, that he rose again. We believe in the price that he paid. That's salvation. And I become a benefactor of it. So everything that was paid for, I just became a benefactor of it. And it's not just a benefactor in the sense that I got my ticket for heaven. You hear me say that all the time. It's not just my ticket for heaven. I got my ticket for heaven and now I'm just going to live whatever life I want. And then when it's time, I'm going to pull out my ticket. Well, I'm sorry, you don't have a ticket. There is no ticket. You have a daily relationship with a loving Savior and a living God and that is because you actually believe in what you've professed. Again, it's not a life just of observant, observance of, of, of religious traditions that gets you into heaven. It's by faith. We just read it. By faith. And if I believe in Jesus today, I live for Jesus today. If I believe in Jesus tomorrow, I live for Jesus tomorrow. If I believe in Jesus the next day, I live for Jesus the next day. Are you following me? All the way up until his return or till I go home to be with the Lord. Now, are we perfect at it? No. That's why we have the blood. And I make a mistake and I can just say, Father, forgive me. And I move on. It's simple. But we've made it into observances and things like that, and that's not what it's about. But we get to walk in salvation. Now listen, the word uh, saved, all right, 
In Ephesians 2, 8, it says, for by grace you have been saved. That word is the word sozo, and you find that in most places where it says saved or talks about salvation, all right? Now listen to me. That word means to rescue. How many of you have been rescued? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Man, to think where my life would be today. I've been rescued. To heal. Amen. To preserve. And another part of it is to make whole. See, salvation is not ticket to heaven. Salvation is preservation. It's rescue. It's healing. It's to make whole. And that's what he's doing in your life now. Now, we still live in this flesh and blood body, which poses to be a problem at times, right? And in in a mind, at times, it's unrenewed to the word of God, can pose to be an issue at times. But it doesn't change what he's paid for. And it doesn't change the fact that it's free. 1 Peter 2.24, you ought to know the scripture, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live to righteousness, by whose stripes we are what? Healed. Well, you know, he hadn't healed me. Well, your experience doesn't trump the truth of the word of God. And I'm I'm not being ugly, I'm just stating a truth. My experience does not trump his truth. And that's part of the problem is we're trying to get God to adapt our belief system to adapt to our experience instead of saying, you know what, I did not experience that, but I can. And how do I? How do I? I don't understand why this happened. I understand we have things that happen and we may not have a full understanding of that. I'm not negating that, but that doesn't change God. And it doesn't change his word. So I have to choose to continue to believe in God and trust in God. Another thing that's happened through salvation is that we've been brought near. And, And this is, This is another huge part that we have through um, his death, burial, and resurrection. Ephesians 2.13 is that now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by what? The blood of Christ. So I want you to see this picture. Austin, come here real quick. Make it quick. There we go. Thank you, buddy. So before Christ... The Bible says we'll pretend he's God, right? Before Christ, the Bible says that we were far away. No relationship, right? Now, I can observe rituals from a distance. And that's what they did in the old covenant. They did it from a distance. The only one who got to even get close and get in the presence of God was the high priest. And then a couple of times when the glory filled the temple and, and there's some things there, but to be in the presence of God, the high priest was the only one that got to go in and he had to go through a lot of ritual to get there. But see, I can go to church and never get close to Jesus. I can serve in the church and never have a relationship with Jesus. 
I can wear a Christian t-shirt and not be close to Jesus. The blood didn't pay the price just for me to do rituals. The blood paid the price for me to draw close and to have what God wanted from the beginning, and that is relationship. He wants relationship. That's what he wants. And that's what Jesus has paid the price for us to have because sin is what was the main blockage of that relationship. But Jesus took care of that. And now as through faith, I'm washed in the blood and when, when the father looks at me, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see me and my issues. He sees the blood. And he accepts me, listen to me, the same as he accepts his son, Jesus. He accepts me the same. So now we can have relationship. So now, here's the picture. Now, I serve God because I have relationship, not to get relationship. Now, I give not to get relationship because I have relationship. I walk in love with other people, not to get relationship, but because we have relationship and his love is in me. Are you getting the picture? So now everything I do is an outflow of this relationship, not me standing over here trying to get close to him because I go to church, I give my tithes, I do those things that, quote, are spiritually right, and I'm trying to get to God. No, Jesus already got me there. And now I live out of that place and out of that relationship with God. And that's his heart. And it's a non-condemning. Loving. Now he is, now, now here's the thing God is righteous and he is truth and he is love, but all those are founded upon what's right and according to his word. So I can't continuously violate what's right and violate by living in sin and expect to be close to God. Not because Jesus hasn't paid for it, but because when I choose willingly and consistently to live in sin, if you read in Hebrews 10, then what I do is I count the blood of Jesus as a common thing, and it says I, it even to the point to where I trample it under my feet. I'm not talking about making mistakes. I'm not talking about struggling with something. Listen, you may be struggling with something. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about deliberate, willful, continual. I know what's right, but I am doing this, and I don't care what God's word says. Amen? Everything flows out of relationship. Thank you. Come on, y'all give him a hand. So I no longer am living my life to receive salvation. Now I'm working out my salvation, the Bible says, through fear and trembling. But what I'm doing is I'm taking something that has taken place inside and it's working its way outside. I've been perfected on the inside. My spirit doesn't sin. My spirit doesn't get into sin. My spirit doesn't want to sin. I don't have a sin nature anymore. 
but I have a body that loves to get into sin. You see, you see what I'm saying? There's still a wrestle there. That's why we struggle in this world. But his blood has paid the price for it. Amen? And so I want to encourage you this morning. It's, it's paid in full. No more payment to be made. You don't owe anything. As I said earlier, why would you keep trying to pay for something that's already paid? You don't pay for healing. There's no pay for healing. It's provided just the same as forgiveness. Jesus said, which is easier? To say, take up your bed and walk or you're forgiven. He says, but so that you know I have the power to forgive sins, take, take up your bed and walk. You know, in other words, he was making a point, but he said it's, it's neither here nor there for him. It's all part of redemption. But yet, for some reason, we feel like, well, I, I've got to pay for it. And I, I want you to know that through the word of God and what he says, it's been paid. And everything else I do, the sacrifices I make, the persecution I endure, I don't do that to get saved. I do it because I am saved. It's because I am, because my identity is in him. My hope is in him. My joy is in him. My peace is in him. My provision is in him. My health is in him. The wisdom that I need, everything is in him. And therefore, I obey him. I do what he asked me to do because I belong to him and because I am saved, not in order to get saved. Amen?